Hey guys, welcome back to the Flashy Stats Fantasy Podcast. My name is Vince, and I am joined here by Mike, Matt, and Giuseppe. And today we are really happy to bring you our first episode of the NBA season. As of this recording, actually, we're a couple days before the start of the season, but today we are going to be talking about some of our week one waiver wire pickups based on some of the players that we think are over or undervalued in the ESPN fantasy basketball database. We use ESPN for our fantasy basketball, so we're going to be going off these numbers that might slightly differ across platforms. We think there are some players in the league that are generally under and overvalued. Maybe it's based on height. Maybe it's based on some flashy stats that they get. Whatever the case may be, we're going to dive into that. We're also going to give this episode kind of a Christmas feel to it, as we're going to be releasing it a couple of days before Christmas. We're going to be talking about our undervalued and overvalued players with the Christmas perspective, and then we're going to end our episode today with All I Want for Christmas Is, with some of our biggest hopes and biggest dreams for this NBA season, ranging from the mundane, such as mine, to the extreme, such as Matt's. Stay tuned for that. There's going to be timestamps below in the description, so if you want to skip ahead in any part in this episode, you can definitely do that. And without further ado, we're going to get into it here. So I guess I can get us started here. We're going to split our undervalued players into two categories based on what kind of league you're in. So if you're in a 12-man league, there's probably some players that are under 50% owned that are still on your waiver wire that you can snag. So we have our players that are gifts under the tree, and that is in the 45 to 20% range. And then we got our stocking stuffers, the 20% and below players that we think still have value. I know we played in an 18-team league once, and a lot of people do that, or even just a league that a lot of people pick a lot of snipers off the waiver. And if that's the case, there's still some players here that you can definitely find and you can fit into your roster and can provide you good value. And some of them we might not be saying, you know, get this guy right away, but just look out for them as the season progresses. So just to get us started here, I'm going to highlight a couple of the players that I had in my 45 to 20 range that I want to talk about. Those players are Goran Dragic and Davis Bertans, who are owned in 36.7 and 28% of leagues, respectively. I think that these guys are some of the most underrated players in the league. I don't know if it's because... For Dragic, I think a lot of people don't really understand his real value. And I thought that they would after the finals run last year, that this guy could genuinely be an 18, 19 point a game score with five or six assists and solid stats everywhere else. I think that he's really well-rounded for fantasy. He doesn't do one thing amazingly, but I think he does everything really well. And I would be happy to have him on my team if he was available in our league. And Davis Bertans, I think, is a guy that is similar to like a Duncan Robinson, who is higher owned in most leagues, wherein Bertans any day could get five or six three-pointers in a game. He doesn't kill you in a ton of places. He doesn't get a lot of other stats, but he's really just a three-point sniper, and he's one of the best in the league at it. He got paid this last year, got like an $80 million bag or something like that, and I definitely think that he's undervalued by a significant margin in a lot of leagues. So those are just two guys that I'm looking at in this 45 to 20% range here. A few guys that I'm looking at, in uh, the 45 to 20% range. First guy I want to talk about, Seth Curry. Brother to Steph Curry, he is just as good as a shooter as Steph Curry is, but he is not as creative and not able to make his own shot. That's the one thing about Seth Curry. But he played well with the Mavs last season. He shot almost 50%, had 2.33s a game, 82.5 free throw percentage, and then the rest of the stats were just average, you know, nothing really special. But he is a three-point specialist, and he really is able to score 15, 20 points a game with only three-pointers, you know, and a few twos. So this season with the 76ers, I think he's got an even better op- an opportunity to score more with Simmons being the ball handler and having to pass it out to someone. So I think it's really going to benefit from being on the 76ers this season. The next guy I want to talk about is the Detroit Pistons' new point guard, Killian Hayes. I don't know what exactly to expect out of him, but I know he's going to get maybe 
five to six assists a game, one or two threes a game, 12 points a game. He's going to be average, but he's someone that you could roster on your team for some for some breakout games. That's what you roster him for. He's going to have some bad games where he's going to have a lot of turnovers, low field goal percentage, but you're going to have to deal with that. And he's just someone that you're going to have to. Killian Hayes is someone that you put at the end of your bench and he could really win you a matchup. So that's why you roster him. If your team just needs a little a little boost in those categories and you're willing to take the risk of high turnovers, low field goal percentage, then you could roster him. Giuseppe, I feel like we need to circle back to this really quickly. Did you say that Seth Curry is as good of a shooter as Steph Curry? Yeah, he is. That's really bold. Yeah, efficiency-wise, Seth Curry is an elite shooter. He yeah. didn't get the ball enough, and he can't really create for himself. From Alaska, I got Harrison Barnes. I think he's completely being disrespected. He was just outside our top 25. I think he was a great player with Golden State and then had a pretty good year at Dallas. But with Sacramento, he's kind of been an average player, but he's still rosterable in most leagues. He's a, almost a 15 points a game scorer. He's going to hit one and a half threes a game, 46% field goal percentage, 80% the free throw line. He gets about a turnover a game. Like He doesn't really hurt you in any categories. He's just a scorer. That's just what he is. He gets a few rebounds and half a steal a game. So he's not going to help you in any defensive categories, but he's better than any other option. Unless you're looking for someone like Killian Hayes that is going to blow up one game and then have a bad game. I think Harrison Barnes is a very consistent option that you could just keep at the end of your bench. And what do you guys think about Killian Hayes and Harrison Barnes? Do you think you'd rather have someone with a higher upside like Killian Hayes or someone like Harrison Barnes that's more consistent and more average? I guess it kind of depends what your team needs. Like if you're trying to pick up a player just to get like an extra game in this week, maybe you grab a Killian Hayes and try to get like a explosive game out of him and have him break out for you one game. Then you just put him on your bench or drop him. But if you're like picking up to try and win your week, then Harrison Barnes is probably a more consistent option between the two. It really just depends on what stats you need. I guess what you're really looking for from a waiver pickup. Yeah, I was actually about to say this kind of the same thing, Matt. I think that if you drafted a team that early on you had a lot of riskier picks and you just need some value, like if you took a couple of rookies earlier on and you really just need to have a solid player in the late rounds, then yeah, you're probably better off taking a guy like Harrison Barnes. If you have a lot of safe options on your team, if if your few picks before this last couple of picks here where you're looking at these kind of guys are safer and you want to shoot on a Killian Hayes, go for it if they're more risky and you need a consistent option like Harrison Barnes. I, I don't think you go wrong with either of them. I think Giuseppe and I were the only two that had Harrison Barnes in our top 25, if I'm not mistaken, and he missed the list on account of that. I don't remember exactly, but I think that he's still a solid player. Yeah, 15 points. He's basically, when we were playing 2K last night, I literally just said that he's just Rudy Gay, but a few years behind. And as much as Rudy Gay hasn't done a ton in the past few years to actually provide to a team, in my opinion, he does still do a significant amount in fantasy to warrant a spot on a team. I guess not really not anymore, but Harrison Barnes is kind of in the prime of his career now, and I think that he's definitely worth a roster spot if you have the space for him and if, and if you just need a consistent guy. It's kind of like Evan Fournier to me. Or if you just if you need a player, then just grab him. In my opinion, I'm risking it every single time for Killian Hayes. The reason being is Harrison Barnes, there are so many Harrison Barnes on waivers. We have players like Terrence Ross or J.J. Redick or Jordan Clarkson. Let's be honest. What does Harrison Barnes do outside of scoring? He gets 1-3. He shoots pretty good from free throw, which is kind of common when it's at such a low volume. I don't see why you'd you'd roster him. I think it's more along the lines of what Matt was saying, as in, if you need to win a week, he'll be on waivers, so pick him up. Other than that, why would you not go with the riskier option in Killian? And if it doesn't pan out, you drop him, and then you can literally pick up any player like Terrence Ross or J.J. Redick or Jordan Clarkson who are going to give you the exact same value that you would get from Harrison Barnes. There are players like Harrison Barnes, but they're not players like Killian Hayes. And having said that, assists, 
is one of the hardest categories to find in the waiver wire. So that's why if Killian Hayes is on a waiver wire, I think he's your number one target. I think you pick him up because he's giving you a stat that someone else in the waiver wire can't give you. You know, the next best guy might be Patrick Beverly, you know, significantly less assist than him. There's a big difference between picking Killian Hayes and Harrison Barnes. But I still think both of them warrant at least the Andy roster spot, even if you are rotating him and dropping them as they go. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't say this very often, but when Mike was talking, he was making his points, I found myself agreeing with him. That's actually a good point, Mike. I kind of forget sometimes that throughout the season, there'll just be guys that are just constantly like in and off the waiver wire. And Harrison Barnes would probably be one of those guys. As much as like he's good to have on a team, he's also not a guy that a lot of people have on their team week to week. And week one, yeah, I guess it is probably better to shoot on Killian Hayes because, I mean, you look at a guy like LaMelo Ball, he's owned in 90% of leagues. He's probably the only other point guard out of this draft that's going to be starting day one or that's going to be getting a lot of minutes and the team's really going to be invested in kind of building around them. And so I think that Killian Hayes, I mean, I he was my pick for rookie of the year. He's got a lot of upside. I, I didn't want to like disrespect him by saying that like you might want to take Harrison Barnes over him. But yeah, I guess Killian Hayes is a good a good risk to take. Just comparing the percent owned by LaMelo and Killian, there's a huge gap in 25% to 90% owned. I think that Killian Hayes and LaMelo Ball will have similar stats. They're going to be a lower field goal percentage, a few threes, I think over five assists a game, two or three turnovers a game. They're going to end up having the same stat-wise at the end of the season, but you're getting the name of a LaMelo Ball versus Killian Hayes. So why wouldn't you pick up Killian Hayes for free? I'd put him on my bench right away. Yeah, I was actually thinking that that a big reason why Killian Hayes is so underowned compared to a LaMelo Ball is because there's just not a lot of Pistons fans. And so not a lot of people are looking at this guy and thinking there's going to be anything out of him. Every Pistons fan I know is really excited that, that we drafted this guy. So I think a lot of people just don't really know or care too much about that. What are your opinions then on players like Tyrese Halliburton or Cole Anthony? Since you're saying like we're being biased Pistons fans, I think I would rather have both those players than Harrison Barnes who are kind of in the same similar situation as Killian, where most likely they're going to be the starters. Like I see Buddy Heald coming off the bench and Halliburton starting at the two. And Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz are going to battle for minutes, but ultimately I think they're going to roll with Cole Anthony. Do you think that you'd rather have those players than Harrison Barnes or no? I would rather have Tyrese Halliburton than Harrison Barnes. I would not rather have Cole Anthony. I don't really see it with Cole Anthony. I don't know if it's just me. I know that people are either just really hot or really cold on this guy. I don't really see it. Probably be the backup there. But I think that Markel is actually primed for a pretty good season. So I don't think he's going to get enough minutes there for really a fantasy spot. Halliburton, I think, is a guy who could start on the Kings alongside De'Aaron Fox. It's not like 100%, but I think with rookies, you're looking more with opportunity just to develop for them. And so I would take him over Harrison Barnes, especially because they're on the same team. But yeah, no, I don't really see it with Cole Anthony. There's a couple guys that I'd rather have on my team than, than Harrison Barnes that are rookies that are around the similar percentage owned than him just because there's higher upside with them. I, Cole Anthony's not really one of them, though. As far as an upside standpoint, I think I would look th- those players' way before I would even look at Harrison Barnes. Like, in the first week, it's really valuable to have players with high upside, and if you drop them, you drop them. The safe players like Harrison Barnes are quote-unquote boring players that we none of us we've talked about earlier they're still going to be on waivers. So I think it's worth the, the risk for the upside. Mike, that was a good question with Halliburton. I, I agree with Vince that I'd rather have Halliburton over Barnes because I think he has the potential to start and play significant minutes. And like Vince, I think Fultz will have 
a pretty good season, so I don't see Cole Anthony really breaking out into that starting lineup this year. He's still going to be a good bench player, but I would still rather have the consistency of Harrison, of Harrison Barnes over Cole Anthony. That's something that we did fail to bring up was consistency. A lot of these players we are talking about, like Killian, Halliburton, Cole Anthony, LaMelo Ball, is that they're going to struggle with consistency, and that's something that you're going to need to factor in as well. A good strategy that you can implement is dropping a guy like Harrison Barnes and picking up someone like Killian Hayes that has the potential to break out this season, has the potential to have a great season. Rather than holding Harrison Barnes and seeing him have an average week and seeing Killian Hayes have a great first week, why don't you roster the the more dynamic, the more exciting, the more potential on your roster? And then at the end of the day, if he has a bad week, if you don't think he's going to pan out, you drop him. You know, nothing lost. Losing that player is not going to make or break your team, but you can win a league with a player that breaks out that no one has, like Devontae Graham last season. Exactly. And I I wonder if other leagues like ours just have an abundance of teams who are too scared to drop a player, too scared to trade week one or before the the season starts because they think that they drafted the greatest team ever. A reality check for everyone listening. Your team is not the greatest team ever. You need to make moves. And I'm sorry, there's no way you have a perfect draft and you're just like, I'm just going to win the league with this team and I'm not going to have to do anything. Because I'm sorry, that's a load of baloney. Michael, language. I'm sorry. It frustrates me as someone who really enjoys fantasy, watching teams just be stubborn. It's like you're not going to win that way. And I know Giuseppe has had great success in, in doing strategies like this, that you can't get attached to your players. Yes, you can have certain players that you're attached to, but they have to have a certain value. For me personally, since I do hold a bias towards my players, I think I'd rather just drop everyone on my bench to start the season, and then that way I can get the best waiver pickups. I think that's the best way I'd have success. And it's not even out of the question. That just shows like how important these waiver wear pickups are. These are what make or break your team. Your first round pick, your second round pick, generally are not going to make or break your team. They're always going to be a good player. They're going to be good throughout the season. Some are going to be better. Some are going to be worse. But the players who win you championships are at the end of your bench. A guy who really solves the problem that we brought up earlier about being able to find assists on the waiver wire. Let's talk about Alfred Payton a little bit here. He's a really sneaky pickup in that you can get a good amount of assists and surprisingly like out of position rebounds. And his floor is actually really, really high for pickup. But look at his free throw percentage. Thoughts? Isn't it like 50%? I think his field goal is higher than his free throw at this point. No, it's it's like sixty percent. I mean, just bad. Like, there's a reason why he's on the waiver wire. It's, he's not going to be perfect. That's fair. Alfred Payton's definitely undervalued. I think it's just because every year the Knicks draft another point guard, and every year people think that that means that Alfred Payton's out. Actually, this quickly guy has been re- looking really good. Like he literally might be the starting point guard. Talking about taking a risk on flyers if you're in a bigger league, Emmanuel quickly might literally be the starting point guard on the Knicks this year. But until then, Alfred Payton's probably going to be either the starter or just get enough minutes to be relevant. Like Matt said, I mean, we all agreed almost universally that Alfred Payton was going to get like seven assists a game this year. Gets a lot of rebounds. Doesn't really get point guard stats. He doesn't play like a point guard really for fantasy, except for the fact that he gets a lot of assists. But he's kind of an enigma of a player, but I would definitely like to have him on my team. If Alfred Payton's on the waiver wire, I pick him up every time. He's one of my favorite players to roster. He's not my favorite players to have due to his percentages, but I just love having him because... He gets a little bit of everything. Obviously, he gets a very high assist total. And he also, like Matt said, some nights he'll end up with 10 rebounds. Some nights he'll end up with two or three steals. So, you know, he really is a stat stuffer. And that's what I love about him. 
And if you could supplement his free throw and field goal percentage with other players around that are good and it doesn't hurt you as much, he's easily should always be on your team. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I hate all those people that we listed, but I guess like one person I kind of like always look to pick up is Jay Crowder. If he's having any sort of consistent string of games, he's a really good threes and steals streamer. I guess as of recently, his percentages are kind of questionable, but normally his free throw is pretty good. He gets a couple points. And like we said, uh, points are pretty plentiful on the uh, waiver wire. Yeah, he's definitely a solid day one starter. He's good. He helps every team. Yeah, he's a proven vet. He's in a similar situation to like Harrison Barnes, where he's going to be consistent. He's going to get those points, get some threes and some steals. But there are some more exciting waiver wire pickups. To be honest, I don't really think Jake Crowder is going to be relevant this year in fantasy. I don't think he's been relevant in the past three years. I think he's someone you pick up on a Sunday and drop him on a Monday. That's kind of harsh. I mean, I'm serious. <laughs> like, okay. we're talking about a consistent option, which is good, but his ceiling is four feet tall. And to be honest, I'm not fitting in that building. Like, it's just not happening. I'm not going to crouch the whole time. So on a Sunday, I'm willing to, you know, suffer a little bit and, and crouch down and, you know, get, get what I need to win. And But then he's gone. Like, I don't, I'm not going to keep him on my bench the whole time. I think he's a waste of space. No, Mike, you're right, dude. If you tried to fit in a four-foot-tall building, you'd definitely be crowded. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so, like, with all of that being said, I think that it's really important to get players off the waivers that have a high floor. And so, with points being of abundance, someone who I'd want to find in that 45 to 20 range underneath my tree are players like Mikel Bridges and OG and Anobi. I think that they provide a lot of value on the defensive end. And someone like Mikael Bridges with Kelly Oubre gone, someone's got to pick up the offensive slack on that team. And trust me, it's not going to be Jay Crowder. I think he's going to be a great player, two-way option. And a lot of people are sleeping on him. He's only owned in 45.4% of leagues. So if he's still in your league, I say go out and snag him. Someone like OG Ananobi with a player like Serge Ibaka leaving the team and them not really knowing how their starter minutes are going to start from at least the forward positions. I think he's a great, riskier option. He's going to at least put up what he put up last year, and I think that warrants him roster spot. But I think his upside is insane this year, and I think that he can really take the next step and maybe be a 15 points per game, two-and-a-half stock player, and I I think you all need to have him on your team. Yeah, I think that the fact that these – players are so under owned is just testament to the fact that not enough people are listening to the flashy stats fantasy podcast because if you're in a league where Mikel Bridges is available and you listen to our podcast I don't know why you haven't picked him up yet we love that guy he's going to start at the four there in Phoenix OG is going to start at the three in Toronto they actually get pretty much the same stats to me like the stuff that they're projected to get it's very similar to me good amount of steals good amount of threes so I don't know just solid amount of everything like I had OG on my team last year and I just enjoyed the fact that he I mean, he had sporadic minutes, which hopefully will go away this year with, like Mike said, Surge isn't going to be there, so maybe somebody will take a couple more power forward minutes. And he, he should get more consistent minutes. But, yeah, if you don't have either of these guys in your team and they're available, then, yeah, they're both – they're like a good mix of solid options but with a higher upside. I just think they provide in the categories that aren't flashy. Like, we talk about Alfred Payton. He's probably the least flashy player, and he'll have games where he'll get an insane amount of rebounds. I think both of these guys will have games where they'll get three, four steals, which is really valuable. And it's something that's way overlooked by someone like Harrison Barnes. Like, oh, Harrison Barnes just dropped 20. Like, dude, to be honest, it doesn't really help your team when on Sunday you can pick someone up to uh, substitute that value. It's really hard to predict steals and blocks 
And having a lead in those categories is very good because someone else who's trying to do a Sunday streaming option, they may not target those categories. They may try and win points. So I think that they're players that are overlooked. And I think that all categories hold equal importance as in you need five of them to win. So it's you got to stop looking at the ones that are flashy. All right, let's dive a little bit into our stocking stuff here. I know we want to talk more about the guys we've already brought up, but we really want to get through a lot of players this episode just because there are a lot of teams that have a lot of different needs. If your team needs points, needs assists, needs steals, we want to make sure that we cover a guy that we think is a good option for you. So we're going to go pretty quickly through these guys here, but a couple stocking stuffers, which are guys that are under the 20% range that we think are real sleepers that could actually have really good seasons. And maybe you shouldn't be picking up right away, but you should be looking out for. My number one guy is Darius Basley here. I picked him up in Dynasty, and I've been saying for a while that I, th- I think he's one of the diamonds of the rough in that Thunder system. I talked about it in our small forwards episode, I believe, that I think that Lou Dort gets a lot of that credit for being one of those younger, unknown guys that stepped up in the bubble and in the playoffs. I don't think Darius Basley really gets the credit that he deserves in that regard. He's going to be starting there at the four this year. I am... Far removed from being able to say who's going to get the minutes, who's going to get the touches on Oklahoma City. But I think there's a really good chance that Darius Baisley gets a big improvement in his stats this year. And he is really, I think he's worth a roster spot. He's rostered in our league or else he'd be on my team. I don't know what his percent owned is, but I know that it's below 20. I know that it's very low. And if you're looking for a guy with a lot of upside, I think he's like not a bad option at all. He's really impressed me. He's impressed me at the bubble. He's a great guy to have on your Dallas team. He's only, I think, 20 years old, but... I'm just taking my shot on Darius Basley because, like Vince said, he's going to have the opportunity this year. They just dropped TJ Leaf. I think Pokusevsky's going to be backing him up. So he's going to have a lot of chances to prove that he's a really good player. And like Mike said, too, this is a guy that maybe won't have a very flashy game. He won't score 25 points. But he's going to have a quiet game where he's going to have two steals, three steals, six or seven rebounds, and a decent field goal percentage. And that, really, that's all I really want. Yeah, just as Giuseppe said, like, that's all he wants. And that's kind of the good thing about stockings and stocking stuffers is that, like, especially on Christmas, the stuff in your stocking, it's not something you're like, ooh, yay, yes, I got this thing. But, like, if you get a new hairbrush or a new toothbrush, I don't know what you're getting in your stocking, but you you needed that. Like, come on. Like, it's something that you desperately needed and you didn't want to pay for. And guess what? Everyone on waivers is free. And so players I'm looking at who are all – under 10% is someone like Chris Bocher, Devin Vassell, Mo Bamba. All great options. And I think that, especially with Serge Ibaka gone and Aaron Baines being hurt a lot and being a more offensive-minded big, I think Bocher is going to provide a lot on the defensive end. And I think he's ultimately a better fit in that Toronto starting lineup just because they have a lot of offensive-minded players. And so having another guy at center who is going to do the same thing as the other four guys on the court I don't think it's beneficial for the team. And I think Bocher will eventually be the starter. I know Baines is, I think he has a higher percentage own in ESPN, but he's definitely someone that I'm looking at. Devin Vassell is someone who, for some reason, I just have a weird attachment to. And I know he's a little bit more of a riskier pick, especially in redraft leagues, but he's been playing really well in the preseason. And I think that provided week one, I think he has one of the greatest chances of having a big breakout. And someone that you're going to want on your team or someone's going to try and trade for them because he's on your team. And then Mo Bamba, I think that he, he's back from his like issues from COVID, and I think he's been cleared to practice. And so with Jonathan Isaac out, I think he's officially out all year long. I think that he's going to be the one that's really going to pick up as that lengthy defender that 
really excels in that Orlando Magic team. I feel like Jonathan Isaac and Mobamba aren't really that correlated because Mobamba plays the five, and he really he's not fast enough to play anything but center, and he's not as good enough perimeter defender to guard the three. And Jonathan Isaac was their small forward. I mean, it's just any player that gets injured gives me more opportunity, but I don't think really think that correlated. I mean, fantasy. I don't care if you're guarding someone. I don't care if you get a block from a three point shot, from a steal from someone driving to the basket, or if you're the one standing under the basket. At the end of the day, a steal is a steal, and a block is a block. I think that. There's a lot more minutes on that team that's available, and I think he's going to pick up the slack just in general. He's going to get that opportunity that no one else on the team is going to get. He's going to be the one that's going to have the option to get those stats. I feel like a guy who's going to get that opportunity to be a, a guard on their team that's just going to play bigger because they have like Gordon and Vucevic and Bamba who are so big. So I feel like they're going to slide a two over to the three. Kind of like they played Evan Fournier a lot in those minutes when Isaac was hurt last year. But it could happen. I mean, again, you never really know with this kind of thing, like what their situations. The Magic always plays super big. Also, I want you to know that you have officially taken the Baines fan club off of our fans list by disrespecting him, and I hope that it's worth it. Yeah, it's because he's no longer on the Suns. I don't really need to hype him up anymore. He's good. I think he fits well off the bench. I don't think he's a starter. He's a tone setter. He's a physical tone setter. I was just going to say, I love Mobamba. I think he's elite blocker when he gets the minutes and hopefully if he does get the minutes this season he's someone that you could put on your bench right now and he could really pan out at the end of the season be like a Mitchell Robinson S player and you know that's someone that I would roster Devin Vassell we said it before when we we're talking about rookies that whoever the Spurs picks he's going to be an amazing pick and I still stick with that I think Devin Vassell is going to be a great player I just don't think that this is going to be a year that he breaks out. I don't think that there's enough space there with DeRozan, with Looney Walker, with Patty Mills still there. Obviously, Derek White and DeJounte Murray all playing the guard spot. It's going to be hard for Devin Vassell to maybe crack the starting lineup, crack the rotation early on. So he's someone I would keep an eye on, but I would just keep him at the end of the waivers for right now because I think there's better options. And then Chris Boucher, I think he's... Kind of a hit or miss guy. I was excited when he would play last season because he'd get a ton of blocks. But similar to a Mitchell Robinson situation, he gets very aggressive and very excited when someone gets close to the basket. And he follows a lot. So while he might be warranted more minutes, it's kind of hard to play him when he gets when he gets four or five fouls in 20 minutes. So it's hard to play him any more than that. He's someone that if you need blocks on your team, I would definitely roster him in a few rebounds. But if you're not looking for rebounds or blocks, I just I would leave him on the waiver wire again until there's a week where you need a block and, and something you can you can pick him up. But there's two guys that I want to talk about for my stocking stuffers. The first guy I want to talk about is Gary Harris. I think he's been severely just underrated, undervalued. I think he's less than 5% owned at this point. For a starting shooting guard on a top five team in the West that also has an elite passer in Nikola Jokic and a semi-elite passer in Jamal Murray, I don't see how... This guy's rostered less than 5% of leagues. He's also averaged over a steal a game every season he's played, and he's not even being rostered. Obviously, I don't expect him to get to that value he, before his injury and before the breakout of Nikola Jokic and all that, but he still warrants a roster spot in every league, no doubt about it. And he could be a player that could get a lot of steals for you and can get a few points, a few threes, and he could really make a difference on a given week. I don't know. To me, yeah, he'll definitely have the minutes, and I guess with that comes opportunity. But I don't mean to be like disrespectful to Gary Harris or like to disagree with here, just happy. But 
I feel like there's some players in the league that are on good enough teams and have small enough roles that they can still play a lot of minutes without really doing a ton fantasy wise. Like it might, he's a good defender, so he's like he's important to the team and he's a good shooter, but he's not used enough. I feel like to warrant a spot. I, I don't know. That's just me though. Like kind of like Mike said earlier, I, there's a lot of guys that have higher upside that I'd rather have in my team. You know what you're going to get out of Gary Harris, and the floor is high, but the ceiling is very low. Having Gary Harris for an entire week on my team, let's just say, let's just say the Nuggets play four games in, in a given week. I'd rather cycle out a new waiver wire pickup every single day than have Gary Harris on my team. My, my point is he's just so insanely under-owned. I feel like he should be at least owned at this point. That's valid, actually. If, I was, if we were in a bigger league, I'd consider it. Yeah. And then one last guy I just wanted to mention is, is Chris Dunn. He's owned in less than 1% of leagues. I don't think he should be owned at this point, but he's someone you keep an eye on if he ever gets healthy with his ACL. But he's the most elite fantasy player with steals efficiency. And if he ever gets more than 25 minutes a game, you can expect 2.5 steals a game. Yeah, and just to kind of, you know, before we go on to our overrun players, I did want to briefly touch on, I did have two players also that I think are players that you might want to look out for, but don't really grab just yet. And to me, that's DeAndre Hunter and Shake Milton. Two guys I think could grab significant roles in their lineups, but I don't think really have enough of a position right now to really warrant a roster spot. But look out for those two names. All right, so now we're going to touch on a couple of players that we think are over-owned. We're also going to try to pair these players with guys that we think have less owned percentages, but that we'd rather have on our teams. I'm going to let you know whoever wants to start, start in a second here. For our Christmas theme, these guys are what we call our our coal players or our, you know, socks for Christmas, tie for Christmas, whatever you want to call it, type of players. But once you get started here with their socks for Christmas player for this season. For the coal in my stocking player that I want to talk about, I want to talk about Anthony Edwards. Obviously, he was the first overall pick this season. He's going to get a lot of hype because of that. He's rostered in about 66% of leagues, and I think that's way over rostered. Not that I think that you should completely bench him because obviously there's going to be upside, but I do think he's going to really struggle with his percentages. He's not going to score as much. I don't even think he's starting day one, and he might take a while to even crack the starting lineup if he does this season. Some players that I'd rather have over him, Evan Fournier, Terry Rozier, Kobe White, anyone that we really talked about today, I'd rather have over Anthony Edwards at this point. I also think that Anthony Edwards might be a little overrun because he is going to struggle in a lot of regards with just having a crowded backcourt there in Minnesota, but I think once the team realizes that they're not that great, they're going to look to prioritize their younger players. And then I think he'll get a starting two-guard spot, and they might slide Ricky Rubio to the bench and put D'Angelo Russell at the one or something like that. When the fantasy playoffs come, I think is when Anthony Edwards is going to peak as a player. And I know that you guys think he's a bust, but any even busts you know, their first year, their team is looking to get them involved in the lineup. I don't think Anthony Edwards is a bust. I just think that he's going to struggle to play this first season. If you watched him in Georgia, he took every single shot. No wonder why his field goal percentage was super low, but he was scoring 25 points a game because no one else was shooting. He's got D'Angelo Russell on the team, Carl Anthony Towns, Ricky Rubio, who's a good facilitator, but he's still going to be guarded by NBA players. It's going to be completely different. I think that Anthony Edwards, as of right now, yes, he is overowned. Yes, do I think that he's not going to start right away? And fantasy-wise, he's not going to do very well. Yes. But he is a big name, and he is still 60% owned. I think he's someone, if you drafted him, that you're able to sell high on now to another team who's someone who's going to be willing to pay for him. And then just like Vincent said later in the season, when the Timberwolves realize, 
hey, we suck, just like normal. Every Timberwolves fan has high hopes that we're going to be so good. And every year they blow. Yes, I think they're going to later in the season, halfway through, prioritize maybe giving Anthony Edwards minutes, maybe seeing if he pans out, if he's actually worthy of that number one overall pick. And then that's when you try and trade for him again, right when you start to see him maybe show a little bit of hope, trade back for him so you can maximize the value of him. Because as of right now, if you drafted him, most likely he's going to send your bench, he's going to be useless, and you're just going to be frustrated with him. And by week four, you're going to hate your team, just like Vincent always says. So I think that he is a big name, maximizes value by trading him now, and maybe later in the season, trade for him after he's been in a slump for a while, not producing a lot, and trade for him right before he actually has a chance to break out when the Timberwolves realize they are one of the worst teams in the NBA. I feel like the 76ers, you guys kind of give them a good amount of slack for being a really inefficient tanking and then doing that whole trust the process thing and how how long that took. The Timberwolves have now had three first overall picks in the last like six years. I guess if you count Wiggins as being their player. And then they also had D'Angelo Russell now, who's the second overall pick. And they're still not that good. Like they still haven't really figured out a team to put around them, a front office to put in. I mean, Ryan Saunders is looking like he's probably the answer there, but I don't know. I don't mean to like add to the the Timberwolves hate train, but I feel like they have just done a good job of drafting players, but not a good job of creating teams around those guys. It's just Philadelphia has glorified trusting the process. They're like, we're going to lose so many games. We're going to be good. Like that's what they were saying. And Minnesota was like, we're just bad. Like that's why we're losing games. We're not trying to tank. We're literally just bad. Like <laughs> there's I, no, I can't, there's I no can't hate on them. Yeah. There's no, like they weren't glorifying like, woo. Let's lose a little. Let's lose another twenty-five games this year, boys. Yeah, it wasn't. Let's lose and then win. It's just let's lose. I just think I've come to the conclusion that the, the Timberwolves are literally the issue. I mean, they had Jimmy Butler on their team. They traded away Zach Levine, who's proven to be a very good player. They've acquired players like D'Angelo Russell. They have currently towns like they should be good, but in all reality, I feel like every player that goes there just ends up having a horrible season, and that's why I'm staying away from Ricky Rubio. I do not want him on my fantasy team. Wait a minute. I have Ricky Rubio. Yeah, I stand by it. That's not, I mean, <laughs> I like Ricky Rubio. Obviously, he was good on the Suns, very good fantasy player. I just feel like the Timberwolves is the new place where players go to die. Like, I feel bad for D'Angelo Russell. especially. Hey, 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 the Kings are still here. They still have that title. So are the Knicks. I mean, there's so many teams like that. Look at all these. Look at all those teams. They all had high picks in recent years, and guess what? They all still suck. Just like Anthony Edwards is gonna. Wow, that really all came together. That was a thesis right there, Michael. That really was five paragraphs intro body conclusion. Who are your uh, Who are your overowned guys, Mike? Who are a couple of guys that you think way too many people have? To be honest, I really didn't have any. I just was gonna counter the RJ Barrett overown, but. I'm just sitting here looking at our list, and I'm just laughing at the fact that Marcus Gasol, in parentheses, says should be zero, to be honest, is on there. Because it's true. I, I, don't, I think he should be rostered in 0% of leagues. I I had to add that in. Because I know with our over-owned players, we were trying to target players that were over 50% that we think should be under 50%. But Marcus Gasol is at, like in the 20s, and I literally think it's because he's on the Lakers. Wait a minute. I have Marcus Gasol. Yeah, drop him. Drop him. We're all here for you, Matt. We don't know why he's rostered. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I just wanted his steals and his blocks. <laughs> I don't think he should be 0% owns. I mean, I still think he has some upside. I mean, I still think he'll be somewhat of a contributor, no? I don't know. Even if Anthony Davis gets hurt, to be honest, I don't think I'd pick up Marcus Gasol. Yeah, Matt, you know I love me some Marcus Gasol. He was on my fantasy team last year. 
he's on a better team now and he did not do well last year. He was basically retired. He was over in Spain, laying down on the beach, just enjoying his day. And the Lakers called him and was like, hey, do you want to win another championship and not really do much and make $2 million? And he said, yes. I, I don't really want him on my fantasy team. Matt, I think it'd be easier if you just put your roster out here so we could just tell everyone who not to pick. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with it. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, we're talking about players that I'd rather have over R.J. Barrett that are kind of a lower, like a similar player, but have a lower percentage owned. Mikael Bridges, we talked about him earlier. I'd rather have him. I'd rather have Dylan Brooks on my team. I think that he's a, just a better option. But looking at small forward, I'd rather have OG Ananobi. I'd probably similarly have Harrison Barnes. Like they're probably the same to me, and that's pretty much it. Like I, it, I'd probably rather have Joe Harris too. There's just like a lot of players that I think are a lot lower than him. That I don't know. I know Giuseppe also probably wants to harp on RJ Barrett too. I mean, he has high upside, I guess, but he's just. I think he's a headache. I, I didn't own him for a lot of the season last year, but I did have him for some of it, and it's just like you don't feel comfortable starting him because you don't know if you're going to tank your percentages. He was almost like Buddy Heald to me. Like I wanted to bench Buddy Heald. I, I almost played, I played Buddy Heald in like 75% of my matchups because I had to bench him because I'm scared he's going to tank my field goal percentage. He didn't help me more than he hurt me. So that's what it was for RJ Barrett. He's obviously, he's looking a lot better this season, but I also watched him airball two threes in a row. So if he stops shooting threes, he might be an option, but it's just such a risk for me. And I understand if you're going to put him at the end of your bench, like that's fine, but it's hard for me to own him. He's just not a player that I like on my fantasy team because I don't feel like worrying about him every time he plays. I have to watch the Knicks. I'm like, oh, God, RJ Barrett missed two more shots and two more free throws. Yeah, I feel like a lot of players either have high field goal and low free throw or vice versa, and he's just has low of both. I don't want to tempt I still think he, like, he could be a good player in the long term, but for this season, I just wouldn't personally want him on my team. Yeah, I I think that slowly throughout the preseason games, he's taken less and less and less three pointers. And provided he realizes he need he needs to literally be Demar Derozan, I think he's been a great option. I just he just stopped shooting the three ball. He only shot fifty percent in his last preseason game. He didn't need to take twenty shots to to get twenty five points. Like especially coming into the league on that Knicks team, he really struggled in in finding what player he needed to to, to like to develop into. This year, the pressure's really not on him when they have Obi Toppin. I think that his efficiency is going to go way up. He just needs to stop shooting the three ball because he can't shoot it. Yeah, I think some other players that are overrated, I think Gary Harris, Anes Cantor, Malik Beasley, Will Barton, Alfred Payton, Derek Rose, Marcus Morris Sr., Ricky Rubio. These are just awesome players that I wouldn't want on my team personally. <laughs> Wait, as soon as I heard that team, I'm like, oh, that sounds like Matt's team. <laughs> that's just Matt's turn, I know, I know it is. As soon as I heard Derek Rose, I'm like, wait, this is Matt's team. Dude, is it is this the roast of Matt? I mean, come on, guys. I'm in. On that note, I just got I had one more player that I thought was way over rostered, and that's Bull Bull at eight percent. I don't see Bull Bull even getting more than seven minutes a game, so he's not rosterable. He was fun in the bubble because everyone was hurt. They were giving him minutes, but he's not gonna play a lot this season. Don't roster him unless you're trying to meme a team. There are some players, because we're going to head into our All I Want for Christmas is in a second. I just want to rapid fire here six players that I think are over-rostered. Like, they're rostered in just too many leagues. I don't think you should drop them if you have them, but I think that you should be looking to trade them maybe. Or if you're in a really small league, if you're in a six or eight team league, they might not be worth just having on your team. We talked about earlier, LaMelo Ball. I think that he's going to put up similar numbers to Killian Hayes, who's owned in like 40% of leagues. And like, you don't really need to have a guy like LaMelo Ball. He's going to hurt you in a lot of ways. He could be a superstar down the road, but I think for this year, he's just... He's going to be really inefficient. He's going to be kind of annoying to own. Tyler Harrow, 
I think the playoff hype is real. We, we have to remember that fantasy basketball is different from the NBA. I don't think he's that in fantasy nearly at all. He's owned in 90% of leagues. Michael Porter Jr., similar, owned in 89% of leagues. I know a lot of people are really high on this guy. Again, just with the Nuggets, there's just a lot of lot of players that can provide good value. I think Michael Porter Jr. had a really good 15, 20-game stretch. I think he has good potential to be a really good scorer, but I don't think this is the year for him. Gordon Hayward, I already said that yeah, I think he's going to miss half the games this year. Miles Turner, I think Gogebi Tatsay is the GOAT, and Miles Turner is going to get flipped to another team. And if that happens, then it might help his value, but it could also go to a team where he's not the starting center. And so I, he's not really worth the risk of having a roster for me. And then lastly, DeMarcus Cousins, owned in like 65% of leagues. I'd rather own a guy like Rashawn Holmes or Thomas Bryant, who are both owned in less, who have more solid roles in their team, who I know what they're going to get and who don't have that injury history. And that is my show ran over. Let's get into All I Want for Christmas is... All I want for Christmas is a Detroit Pistons championship. Obviously, it's not going to happen this year. It would be insane if it happened this year. That's just all, all I want in life is insane. to see the, uh, the Pistons win a championship. Insane is an understatement <laughs> if that happened. If the Pistons made the playoffs, it would be borderline insane. Mike, I want to hear your – I feel like you always have like a, a twisted, like long-winded analogy whenever somebody says something like this. I want to see what you got. Because to me, it's like that little girl who goes on Santa's lap and goes, this year for Christmas, I want a pony, and I want a dollhouse, and I want a unicorn. And that's just to me with Matt wanting the wanting the Pistons. Yeah, that's like being a child and like really being really excited to go to the mall and, and visit the local mall Santa Claus. And like making this wish that you like at the time you don't know is never going to happen. And in reality, he's probably just going to around the corner, whisper to your mom, like what you said. And then your mom's be like, I can't do this either. And then as reality, you just got your hopes up for nothing. And you didn't even get what you wanted for Christmas. That is Matt right now. It's like, Matt, if you just wanted a, if you just wanted them to, to tank for a garage spot and not be the 10 seed this year, you know, you could probably get that for Christmas. It's like asking for a new bike or something, but you're asking for a monster truck. So you're not going to get anything. Amen. One can dream. That's I fair. got something I want for Christmas that might sound like a unicorn. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you are so cheesy. Uh, go ahead. Speaking of, speaking of the unicorn, I'm talking about Chris Tess This might be something that Santa Claus might not be able to bring me because he already is unhealthy and he's getting back from an injury. But all I want for Christmas is Chris Tess to be healthy. I think Chris Tess is a borderline top 10 fantasy option when healthy. There's no player in the league that has the ability to get two blocks, two and a half, three-pointers a game, 20 points, 10 rebounds. He is a great fantasy option, and I don't think there's any other player that has those elite stats in those categories and that can compete with him. I honestly want to see Porzingis healthy, not just for fantasy reasons, but also just because I think he's like an extremely talented, unique player. And I feel like we're kind of being robbed of the opportunity to see what he can be. He can be a superstar eventually if he just can stay healthy. But he's seven foot four, and he's and he goes for every block, and he plays a little recklessly. It's just it's going to be hard. But I want to see that too, but not because of fantasy. While you guys are both clearly in the holiday spirit, unfortunately, I just really don't see that happening. I, I hope that for him. I would really like to see Aaron Holiday. Make it to a team that's actually going to give him some minutes because this man is literally. Let's go. I'm so happy you tied in Holiday with the Holidays. I was literally thinking, when you said Holiday, I was thinking, oh my God, there's three players with the last name Holiday in the NBA. We got to tie this in somehow. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I I just, 
I think that Aaron Holiday has Drew Holiday value. Uh, Justin Holiday, you know, just in case, leave him on waivers. But as for the other two Holiday brothers, I think that they're both amazing. And I think Aaron Holiday provided, like, when I think Brogdon missed a few games or when while Oladipo was out, he was seeing extra minutes. This man flashed a lot of potential, and then the Pacers just say, nah, no, just go back on the bench. We don't really need you. Like, I think he, if he went to a team that's going to give him some minutes or provided Oladipo left because I know there's some trade rumors, that's all I want. All I want to see is this man ball out because I've been saying it forever, and I drafted him in Dynasty, and everyone dogs on me for, like, oh, Mike and Aaron Holiday is going to put up nine points a game again. Come on. Does someone give him some minutes so I can shut everyone up? Mike, I feel like we could fill an entire episode of players that you wish could get more minutes so that you could prove us all wrong. Cam Johnson, Hamadou Diallo, Justin Jackson. I mean, the list goes on. It's just, it's like opportunity. Opportunity is everything in the NBA. It's really, it's, there's only 15 people on the roster. Like you really have to be the best players in the world to get minutes in the NBA. Yeah. I can actually say as of today that the TJ Leaf dream is dead. I thought he was the next Demonte Sabonis. He just got waived by the worst team in the NBA. Have you guys watched him in preseason? That's all I want. That's all I want is for that, for them to have a successful tank. Cause man, they look bad. Like it is not looking good for the, the Thunder. You want to hear a genius plan by the Thunder? While you have like 18 picks, when you play against the teams that you have their pick, you try to beat them. And then you play against someone who you don't have their pick, you just lose. It's genius. <laughs> it's a great strategy. It, you just bring up all your other values. Like you just have four top five picks. Be genius. But Vince, I want to hear your, I want to hear what you want for Christmas. Yeah, I'm actually going to tie mine into yours, Giuseppe, because you were talking about a really tall guy on the Mavericks. And there's another really, really tall player on the Mavericks. His name is Boban Marjanovic. He used to have a best friend when he lived in Philadelphia. That best friend was Tobias Harris. He's been down not lately. This year for Christmas, all I want is for Tobias Harris to be worth a max contract. And I say that for two reasons. Number one, I own him in both our Dynasty and our Redraft League. I want him to take a step forward. I think that with Doc Rivers there, he has a chance to do this. He's Doc Rivers is very familiar with how Tobias Harris needs to be utilized, and I don't think Brett Brown really knew what to do with him very much. And he's still got good stats, but I think that could be better. Number two, I am a Sixers fan. Tobias Harris being on a max contract and really not being worth that amount of money is hurting the team right now. And I think that if you can elevate to a $30 million a year status, this team can go significantly further. So that's all I want for Christmas is to, for Tobias Harris to be worth the money that he's getting. Think that he? I don't think he can break out. I mean, he's 27, 28 years old, but I think he can have a really, really solid season this year, and I'm hoping it from him. So you mean to tell me you're you're more concerned about the fact that they're overpaying Tobias Harris, and as a result, you want him to play like how much they're paying him, rather than being concerned about his friendship with Boban and wanting them to be reunited together? It's a little bit selfish, and that really like highlights how you are, in fact, a 76ers fan. Like you deserve that team. Dude, I don't want to take Boban away from his new best friend. Luca? Luca, dude, you, you think you think Luca would have become as good as he is without Boban? He needs that, dude. Yeah, so you watched in your lifetime ha- having Tobias Harris replaced, just like he will be shortly when he's no longer on the 76ers or rostered on an NBA team. Ah, how I, I I take that back. I I think Tobias Harris is good. I just had to say that. That was harsh. <laughs> that, that was harsh. I hear my um, feelings what, there. Vince, for that status, what do you expect of him to be worth his contract in fantasy? I think he generally had a good season. It's just, yeah, thirty million is a lot. You expect All Star level, but also it's hard to have three All Stars on a team. You know, something's got to give. I definitely think that there's like some stats that he can improve in. I think that his defense, his defensive stats can go up. 
he's a solid defender. Um, obviously, you know, Simmons and Embiid are all NBA level defenders. So that really should allow him to be in the passing lanes a lot. He shot 47%. I honestly think he can shoot 50% with more threes a game than he was getting. He shot 19 points a game. I think he can get to push that to 22, 23. It's incremental improvements across the board that I think really can make him a top 40 or top 35 fantasy option here. I think it's possible. I think he's good enough for it. I just, I don't think he's being been being utilized correctly in that roster. And obviously it was kind of a mishmash there. They really went for talent over fit, but they're starting to transition more into that fit type team. And I think that with that, Tobias Harris should see improvements in efficiency and total stats. All right, guys, that pretty much wraps up our Christmas special slash waiver wire pickups for week one of the NBA fantasy season. I am incredibly excited for the season to get started here on Tuesday. And I guess by the time you're listening to this, it will already have kicked off and we'll already be heading into the Christmas Day matchups, which should be so fun. I think this is going to be a great season, but yeah, that wraps us up here today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We touched on a few different waiver wire pickups that you should be looking to acquire or should just be looking at guys for the long term. And a couple of guys we think might be a little overvalued. And if you can drop those guys to pick up a couple of the other guys that we discussed here, you might be better off as a team. And finally, we touched on what we want for Christmas, some of the things that we're looking forward to getting. So if you want to be notified for future episodes because you enjoyed this one, you can subscribe to our podcast below. If you want to contact us to leave constructive criticism, episode ideas, or just a chat, you can reach us on social media at FlashyStatsPod on Twitter at Flashy Stats Fantasy Sports on Instagram, and at FlashyStatsPod at gmail.com via email. So anyways, guys, yeah, that wraps us up here. We hope that you have a very happy holidays and a very safe holiday. We will see you very soon for our next episode, where we'll probably be recapping some of these week one matchups and kind of looking forward to week two of the fantasy season. But until then, my name is Vince. This has been the Flashy Stats Fantasy Podcast, where it's not just about the numbers.